Creatives. Welcome to a new episode of Unpublished. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we're going to be talking about success as creatives. Specifically, we're going to look at the fear of success. The other day on my Instagram, I did a, a, a question and you guys answered about all your fears that you have around the concept of creative success. And it was such a fruitful conversation. Yeah. And as an observer, I found it really interesting too. Like so many of the things that you all said you feared about success or even enjoyed about success I resonated with really strongly I thought um, I think this is gonna be a really interesting conversation especially because well we haven't really prepared anything and I don't think I think I'm gonna surprise Amy with a few of my views here interesting yeah I mean I think I mean the whole conversation like completely revved me up I thought uh, this is a, a subject that we need to be speaking about more more than how do we avoid failure we need to be talking about how to how do we as creatives prepare for success? Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the um, submissions that we got through the question box and just look at everybody's different approach to why we fear fear creative success. We're just going to kind of unpack them. Great. Do you want to get the um, I do. questions out? Yeah. Okay. So the first one is something that I deeply resonate with. Um, and it is, I fear I won't have the energy to keep up. I will let someone down eventually. And we got a lot of answers that were, you know, around the idea that the, my energy is going to be taken. I'm going to get too tired. It's going to be too much for my body, for my mind, uh, energetically. What was the percentage split there? We've got 93% people resonate. Yeah, I resonate hugely with that. Like, I'm really, really worried that some gatekeeper is going to give me an opportunity. And then they're going to be like, well, we need you to pump out four books a year and then we, oh, I mean, and like, I just hate the idea of someone enforcing a deadline on my work, um, mm. I, especially because I know I can work. If, like, I know how I work. So mm. if some random comes in and starts trying to tell me what to do, that, that's just something that I'm really not looking forward to or I wouldn't look forward to. Yeah. And I think a resolution here is understanding that even if we are new to the game or, um, you know, even if it's, you know, our first experience with a gatekeeper or with working with someone else, that we are allowed to have boundaries. I think people like it's synonymous, success is synonymous with being bound to someone, particularly in gatekeeping circles. Like if you were to get signed. Beliefs. Yeah, I really hope that that wasn't just a message saying that our recording stuffed up, but you know what? Hopefully it's fine. Do you want to check or are we okay? I think we'll, we'll just press on. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I really, it's, it seems so scary, right? Like imagine getting given an amazing opportunity by someone and then just being like, sorry, no. And stepping like, that's just seems such a, like a bold thing to do. Like, I really hope I'm brave enough to do that when the time comes. To protect your energy. Yeah. Mm. I think we get a lot of, we see when we see people in success, we see burnt out artists. We see people being pushed to the brink. We see people who we believe that success, um, you know, has to come with being exhausted and being, you know, pushed to our very limits. And, and that's how we view success culturally. And I think we need that narrative change so that 97% of us are terrified of losing our energy if we are successful. Like what if our success can come with being abundantly energetic and you know honoring our own pace and, and knowing that our timing is perfect and articulating our boundaries around our energy with anyone we have to work with like that should be our version of success but it is not the success we are shown culturally at all yeah and i guess that's what i'm yeah well my thinking is i feel like i've gotten to the point where i'm really good at managing my energy for myself when it's my own projects and it's just like i'm i don't trust the world like i don't trust other people mm. to have done the work that I've done. Which is fair enough because most people haven't done the work. And I'm just like, uh, what if I just, what if you get some kind of, you know, can you imagine being at a big publishing house? Like just have these random people who 
are just stuck in their own patterns, part of these big lumbering behemoths, and they're just going to, like, come in and... This is my vision of it. They're just going to come in and override you and, like, try to enforce their will on you. And that's just something that's not attractive to me. I agree. I, I mean, I fear this massively. Like, I have a big fear around being tired you know my body is a tired body I don't have as much energy as the next person and and I have fear responses to anything that looks like it's going to take energy away from me um and that can get in my way and I wanted to ask you James like how do you think this fear impacts your creative world I mean I think it doesn't impact me in my day-to-day but it impacts me in things like I really don't want to submit my work yeah I find it really hard to actually go that last step. Like writing the book is fine. Finishing the book is fine. But then giving it out to gatekeepers, I really don't want to go through that. Like, and I think it's that I almost don't want them to accept it. Like I almost don't want them to take the work. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want them to touch it. I don't want their grubby hands all over it, you know? Yeah. I think this is something a lot of people are going to really resonate with. And I mean, it's definitely holds me back. Like, I only submitted my first novel maybe like to 10 to 15 people, which is just like, if you want to succeed, you should be submitting it to hundreds. Yeah. I just couldn't make myself. I couldn't do it. Like I just have, there's just a block there. Like I just like in my head, I was just like, fuck him. Like fuck him. Yeah. I mean, I have that, I have that response too. Cause I guess it's like a protectiveness. And like, you go and you them. see all of their pages and they're like, Snooty McSnoot only accepts novels written by people who've been to Oxbridge. And I mean, that's not actually what they do, but it's like always ridiculous. You go on agents and publishers pages and it's like, they're fuckwits. Like they're all fuckwits. And it's like, why would I want to associate my work with you people? Or like, why would I want to, they're just, the vibes are just so gross. And I just, every time I came and I had to look at these pages of these agents and publishers, I was like, fuck, I don't want to be anywhere near you. Why Why then? Why do you want... What part of you wants it? Well, I want people to read my book. Yeah. I just don't... Like, it's hard. It's I such a hard... I don't want these assholes to be involved. Yeah. Huge. All right, next one. Um, I fear what other people will feel. I don't want them to be the reason. They feel inferior. So... A lot of people actually message saying that they had experiences of being successful in their past, often in childhood, and they were either demonized for it, like people didn't, um, people were cruel to them because they were successful, or they felt like they were making other people feel less than, which is what this person's saying here. We had a 62% um, proportion of people resonating, 38% of people saying no, they didn't resonate. I thought this was a really interesting perspective, um, this idea that success has almost been uh colored in a negative light you know we have in australia we have a concept called tall poppy syndrome where our culture australian culture and and kiwi culture too they don't like the the successful one and they're always going for the underdogs yeah you always you know if even if you're the ceo of a big bank it's like oh but you know my house i I really struggle to pay the mortgage and i really like oh you know my 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 job it's it's not that impressive all i I just push money around and yeah it's like the Aussie battler. Yeah, the Aussie battler. Or if you were a successful artist, it'd probably be like, oh, mate, no, don't worry. I'm just one, you know, if you were, if you say you were in a feature film, you'd be like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. But the, the, if you were talking to an Aussie press, I feel like you'd be like, oh, you know, just 
I'm just a regular bloke. That's yeah, essentially the line yeah. that they like to take, I think. It's quite different to American culture, I think, but it's definitely something that I notice in my own narratives. Like, we don't want to own our success. And I think, you know, a lot of us are going to be able to sympathize here. Uh, there's something icky about being successful and and that gets in the way of a lot of creatives really chasing what it is they want to achieve and what it is they want to create and how it is they want to connect because they don't want to, to have to be in this space of feeling, you know, like they're in inverted commas better than everyone else what are what are people going to think of them yeah i think it's 100 percent right I, I mean one one thing i do wonder is if there's a, is a sort of um gender divide here like if you were raised as a boy and if you grew up in a male dominated culture like definitely i feel like at school and things like sport i it was i mean it was interesting wasn't it because it was like i don't know if you have any experience with the names, but i'm just trying to think back to it there was definitely you wanted to be the best at your thing, you know, academically um, and in terms of sport, being the best wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I felt like mm. when I was at an all boys school mm. as much potentially, but then when the girls came, we have a, the way the school Amy and I went to, it's all boys and from year seven to year nine and then the girls come. I feel like maybe things changed a little bit or something. Yeah, interesting. I think there's definitely a conversation around gender there. Uh, I know that we have very different concepts of success and I think it, it often comes from the way that we've been raised in terms of I've been raised as a, as a girl and you've been raised as a boy. Um, I find that I want success a lot more than James and I find my drive for success is almost... Um, it's counterculture, like I want to achieve and that feels rebellious, whereas for you... Well, I don't want to associate myself with toxic masculine culture and I feel like I don't want to... I really... Almost like I avoid success almost as a way of... my way of rebelling against masculine culture mm. in a way. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if it also plays into the tall poppy syndrome, the idea that we, the, that our culture really values the everyday guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you're right. Being an Australian is a weird subset here because I feel like both narratives, because we obviously get such so dominated by American culture. Like, it's all mm. we see is American culture. But we also have a very strong sense of Australian culture. So it's almost like I feel like I get two different messages in yeah, a way. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I don't really know how to reconcile them, to be honest with you. But Do you fear that if you were to get very successful, James, that other people, you would make other people feel less than? Yeah, I, 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 I think that... Something I always think about, you know, if I was super successful, I always think about how I would enter a room and make sure, like, I, everyone felt, making sure everyone feels okay is always a big thing for me. Mm. And I always think, I always like, when I picture my success, I don't picture me like going up and accepting the award. I almost picture myself like after the award and going back to the table and making sure everyone just knows that I'm just a normal guy. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that I mean, that's fascinating. It's not me. that I don't want to win the award. It's that I don't, I then like, I'm like strategizing of how to make sure the award doesn't make me a dickhead. Yeah, really, really interesting. And I think if you are someone who who resonates with this, who's the idea of success makes you worry about how other people are going to feel about you, um, like people pleasing and making sure everyone's comfortable, it'd be really interesting to, I mean, obviously I'm going to say this, but take it to the journal and investigate um, how that has been in your past how that's you know how where do those stories come from where did you inherit them where, when you were successful as a kid like how do people treat you and is that impacting the way that you approach your art today yeah really interesting i personally feel that i am now 
I mean, I've always been good with people and I, I have confidence in my ability to make sure that we all feel seen, uh, even in my own success. And I also have such a fierce belief in each creative's uniqueness and each creative's ability to have great success that I feel comfortable that my own success doesn't negate other people's success. In fact, I know that my own success can uh, uplift others and, and bring them to their own whatever it looks like their own view of success yeah that's cool mm. are you worried about this recording do you think i think happened? my voice sounds a bit weird but i could just be imagining things these goddamn new spicy mics I, I think it's fine okay i think it's fine all right i fear humiliation not doing it right not feeling worthy of it or that i have earned success so this is great. This is really fascinating, plays into hustle culture, whether we earn things. Um, it's actually obviously like this is a massive conversation and could be multiple podcasts all on their own about, you know, hard work paying off and privilege. Uh, really nuanced topic here. Yeah, I feel this a lot. Like obviously both you and I come from really very privileged backgrounds, like very supportive families. Um, really, essentially, I have no fear of being destitution destitution mm. like my i know that my family are there for me if i need them basically mm. like um and i know i've been given so many amazing opportunities whether that's like school university um just having the time and space to pursue my art if i want to like um and also just not having parents who didn't push me into you know what are you doing with your life and stuff like that um as much and i do feel like yeah if sometimes i feel like when if I become really successful, I'm like, well, I, I only have to do 10% of the work. Mm. That's what it feels like a little bit. Yeah. Which is, I think like just something, I mean, I don't think it's like, I'd rather, I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful for all the amazing support I have. Yeah. I'd trade that. It's just, it's that, that's there. Yeah. Again, we've got this story that, um, if you are a true success, you have to have come from nothing. Um, which is an interesting narrative in itself. I mean, it's really important for me and James to recognize our privilege. And as too many people who come from circumstances like me and James's, uh, or, you know, even more privileged, um, will achieve, you know, wonderful things and be very successful, but forget the nuance of the conversation and hard work, you know, paid off, but your success wasn't, you know, completely hard work. Like, Like, it's interesting, like, it was my privilege that gave me the space to think and conceptualize about art to the point where I could make this podcast in very many ways. But at the same time, it means that my message is potentially not as applicable to someone who isn't as privileged as I am. Or like, there are so many lenses that we have to view every issue through um, and it makes everything more interesting and complex. And it's just like, it's just such a, obviously such a layered conversation. It is, it's a really layered conversation. And I think, you know, this person is perhaps not looking at it through this angle I feel humiliation not doing it right not feeling worthy of it or that I have earned success like we have to acknowledge and be comfortable with the nuance that when we have success that you are a huge part of creating that success because you made the art you did the vulnerable and generous thing and you have to learn to celebrate yourself I really don't love engaging in conversations where a conversation about privilege negates celebrating the self so Uh, It comes from like a lot of guilt and shame, like, you know, whether it's like white guilt or just, you know, you're feeling guilty about your privileges. So you negate celebrating yourself. And I don't, I think that that's really self, it's detrimental. We need to be learning to celebrate 
the fact that we're creatives and we're vulnerable and we're generous and we're doing the work and you know some of us just I mean most, all of us if we're creating we're doing profoundly beautiful and hard work at times but we also you know can marry that conversation you know with a discussion about privilege and how you know luck and how we got there at the same time and it doesn't mean we need to negate self-celebration doesn't even mean we need to negate our hard work it's just it's a nuanced conversation and I don't feel like culturally we're really in a, com- a place where we're having these nuanced conversations or, or we are but it's just like they're not the trendy ones yeah i don't know i think i mean obviously i think it it's definitely there much more than it ever has been um but potentially i don't know i actually had a point that i was going to make which i really can't remember now you can just move on if you want okay great 90 percent of people resonated with this um and this again could be a lot to do with goal post moving so when we achieve something a lot of us are a goal a goal post movers so we'll move the goal immediately as soon as we get there so we never truly feel worthy and this is deep work that we need to do with ourselves um this is about self-worth this is about our inner narrative like if you are, are achieving things even small things and you're not recognizing it and you feel so like you can brush over it and just move on to the next thing it's a real problem and you know even if you're not achieving massive things at the moment whatever massive means to you um it we need to be looking at the day-to-day things like if even if you're breezing over the fact that you did your bare minimums today and you're not giving yourself credit i think there's a problem there that we need to address and prepare you know address so that we can prepare for big success yeah i think something that's really important is if you feel like you haven't like worked hard enough for success or something it's bullshit there's there's all there is is done doesn't Mm. matter if you spent 100 hours doing something 50 hours 20 hours 10 5 it's done or it's not done like there's no point there's no extra moral value in having worked harder to achieve the same thing. Like yes. if someone has to work 100 hours to achieve one thing and someone else has to work 50, there's no moral value in the 100-hour person. There's no superiority there. Hustle culture will make you believe it, mm. that it's superior, but it isn't. And mm. if you're someone who's like, create something with ease, great, that's awesome. Yeah. Embrace that. Yeah, we're so we're so down on ourselves when we find things easy. I think uh, I think it might be in these questions. Someone said, "Oh, I just find creating so easy, and it makes me feel so guilty. Like, can I deserve success when I have so much ease creating?" Such course, a, such a massive myth of the destitute, the struggling, the yeah. pained artist. I think. Yeah. And that's you know destitute in all senses of, of the word. Like, just broken people have are the only ones who can make art. It's just not true. Yeah. All right, the next one is it might end and then what? So if we get success, we then live in this state of constant fear that the success is going to be robbed of us. This is something I relate to massively. I have stories and issues around the feeling of momentum because for so long when I was creating, I felt no momentum. My work wasn't um, connecting. You know, I was creating a lot, but nothing was going out there. I I felt like I was creating in a vacuum. And so when my work finally did start uh, connecting, I started, you know, seeing people read my words and, and, you know, stuff started happening, you know, success started happening. I had this like deep fear that, all the movement was going to be taken from me and I was going to go back to where I was. I was going to have to go back working to a cafe. The momentum was going to be pulled out from under me. And that fear was real. Um, and this is what I think so many of us experience when we think of success. There's this sudden panic of, but if I'm successful, what if it all goes away? I think it comes back to our discussion about making sure you've done some work on yourself before you achieve success. I mean, like, I think if you don't think it's, possible 
to achieve success and then you suddenly do, then you're going to feel much more like a fraud in the moment, potentially. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, this is when I was talking to James about this the other day after this amazing discussion online was that I'm so fucking grateful that I had to do the work, internal work, that I came to journaling um, before I found any measure of success because I was just not ready for success. I was going to absolutely plummet. Like if I'd been given a book deal, you know, as soon as I had first submitted my books, like none of this internal work would have been done. And like, I just know that I would be struggling so hard in the success. I wouldn't be celebrating myself. I would have have a huge amount of fear that was going to be taken away. I wouldn't value myself. My hustle stories would still be there. But instead, before I felt any measure of success, I was, you know, I was forced to face myself on the pages of my journal and I had to rewrite so many narratives and really investigate the pain that was within me. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I'm a believer in that everything happens for a reason school of thought, but I'm definitely a believer in the we're able to turn things like rejection and, um, you know, not having our dreams come to us straight away into real strengths going forward. And they can be really painful at times. Um, I know it's sort of cliche, but it's really that that obstacle is the way kind of mentality of it's it can actually even though I mean, even though at the time all you would have wanted, Amy, was that book deal you're right it would have been a really bad thing for you to achieve that at the moment like and it was really it was the optimal path for you to not go that that way it was this for me the fear of of success being taken away from me come and i soothe this fear and i face this fear with a deep trust of the journey and that's really hard to cultivate and this is a really big topic in itself but i just trust that whatever is meant to happen is going to happen and unfold and you know James probably looks at this a bit differently, but I really, you know, anchor myself to that trust in the journey. And, you know, success isn't like a one, you know, it's not just like a one linear line. You know, we are going to undulate. That is the journey. Like it isn't just like you get the the deal, you get the part in the movie, you get the gallery deal, whatever it is that you're aspiring to get. And then it's just all the way up from there. Like, you know, we know life is more complicated than that. And if we come at our creativity and all that we want to achieve with an understanding that it's going to be undulating and sometimes our art's going to connect and sometimes it isn't and we're not trying to achieve success and then you know get our pincers into it and hold it and like keep it where it is that it's you know an, a beautiful ebbing and flowing um relationship with our inner child with the creative self and with you know the experience of life i mean i think it's really worth meditating on something like what happens to the actor after they win the oscar yeah you know that would seem like the culmination of all their success like that was the pinnacle and then it's like they have to just wake up the next day yeah so what and then they've already achieved it so what next i think i think what next is like a really dangerous question to ask yourself in many ways it's like if, if you're always looking at what's next i think that's that's a big problem as well so it's like you shouldn't you should it's guaranteed that your success is going to be short-lived because you can only be in that moment of of the success for a se- a few seconds, or, particularly or if you if you have that very traditional view of what success yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. This next one's gonna be interesting because we have a really different view on it. So this person says, "I fear success because there are more eyes on me, and I enjoy being witnessed." And I like people to see me. And I used to feel a lot of shame about this. I thought it meant I was attention seeking and vain or, you know, whatever. But I now know that it, for me, is an innate part of being a creator. I wish to be witnessed and I feel privileged to be seen in my art. I don't think we have that 
that different of you on this. I just think that our strategies are different. If I had 10 million Instagram followers tomorrow, I would do the same. I would post the same stuff. You don't post at all. I, I know, but I will like, you know, I would talk to the camera in the same way I talk to it when yes. I do the unpublished podcast Instagram stories. Like I wouldn't, my, my photos would still be out of focus. Like, whereas I feel like you're much better at being, at adapting and being strategic. Like, not that you aren't yourself. It's just that you are much better at being aware of people's, I feel like, what they want or expect, expect from you. Yeah, interesting. So would you say that, um, do you fear the idea of eyes being on you? I definitely, I don't want to be the center of attention. Mm. But if it ever happens, I don't really think about it. It's not like, I, I'm not like going for it. I'm not looking for it. I'm like, I've got no fear of public speaking, for example, or I don't know. I think the only thing I would be afraid of is doing a bad job in front of a lot of people. Yeah. Not necessarily the fact that people are watching me. I asked um, somewhere along the line down here, I asked, would you rather a smaller audience um, or a larger audience with, you know, critical voices in it? Like a small devoted audience or a large, yeah. I think I, I think I'd prefer a small devoted audience. Mm. But by the same token, like, just um, interestingly, it was 47% would rather a larger audience and 53% would rather smaller. That's Very really split down the middle. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Really you would rather smaller? I'd rather smaller. I mean, not that I don't like an argument. I love an argument. So You do. I mean, whenever anyone comes for me, I'm like, Jamesy, yeah. someone's being rude. And you're like, I'm there. I just, I really, I don't even realize I'm in an argument often. I'm just like, oh, just, we're just having a repartee. And Amy's like, whoa, you really were schooling that person. <laughs> I'm like, was I? <laughs> so I'm, like, my, I'm like, I didn't raise my voice or anything. Well, you were on Instagram. I oh, mean, no, like, true. You do person. it in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think everyone's going to have a really different perspective here in terms of, you know, whether they like to be witnessed. And again, like if you if you know you've got issues with this and it's getting in your way, it would be interesting to go back and to look at how uh, this has interplayed in your life. Because, you know, so often, especially in our younger years, like what were you witnessed as a kid? Uh, were you ignored as a kid? Like those kind of things really do play into our inner child, inner artist life. Yeah. I mean, I just... Did you like I, attention I, as a kid? Yeah, when I... The, the younger I was almost, the more I did. Like, I remember winning... I remember when I was in my under-13 rugby club and I won the Best and Fairest award or whatever for the player of the season and I wore the medal around, like, three days. <laughs> you lose. I love it. <laughs> and, like, Do you see I, that reaction just then? Yeah. I just, like, belittled your success because I, I want you to be the every, the every man. Yeah, and... um. I definitely, le- I think I learned, you're right. I mean, it's we- it was such a weird balance because like the people who do really, people in school, I feel like who did really well were really praised. Like the, the ducks of the school or like the, um, who had some ama- absolutely incredible rugby players who were just like worshipped like gods. Mm. But then like, it's almost if you were in the next tier down, you were a loser yeah, it's, or something. It's very interesting. It's such an interesting, I mean, you, you could, you'd have to do like a five year academic study on it to really get behind it. Do you think the fact that your old sister was an actor and your little sister was the sports star and they got a lot of like eyes on them and you were the middle child, do you think that had, had any play of you backing off a bit? Well, Livy was 10 years younger than me, so... But she was always going to be the darling But like then. I didn't get... I didn't really... I was like an adult by the time I was witnessing her growing up. So yeah, true. I don't know. I definitely had a bit of middle child syndrome, that's yeah. for sure. But... 
Yeah, I think there's, de- there's definitely points of deliberately not trying in school. Like, mm. I remember, this is going to sound like, this is going to really throw my dad under the bus here, but he used to call me Mr. 70%. <laughs> Fuck. Because, he did it. Yeah, because I'd always get about 70% on my tests in school and I just wouldn't try. And he'd be like, imagine, oh, you should... Mr. Seventy Percent, classic Mr. Seventy Percent, never putting, never trying on any of his schoolwork, and I'm like, I feel like you took a lot of pride in how little you tried. Oh my god, yeah, but it was almost a rebellious streak. It was like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, when we um had our English HSC exam, um, we all were in this big hall together, and I'm I'm walking in with him, and I'm like, it was the first exam of our HSC, and the HSC is the final Australian exams of school. And we're walking in and I'm like, he's Weinstock, I'm McNee. So he's like right at the end. Anyway, I sit down and he looks at me and he goes, Amy, do you have a pen? <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. That's just me being forgetful. I mean, I feel like you told that story like I didn't care. Like obviously I was cheating myself a little bit before the exam. Were you actually? I thought you just didn't give a fuck. I think I tried to put on a cool You're trying face. to be trendy. I was trying to be cool. This is a very interesting and large conversation. I feel like I just got a tiny bit off topic. Um... Because I okay, so the next one is I fear I'll lose enjoyment of the art because I'll be creating for others and not for me. And we have an eighty percent resonating. Yeah, this doesn't bother me at all because I'm so process driven with my writing. Like, I really just feel like I'm all. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine writing for other people, not me. Like, I feel like my process is always. And this could be totally naive of me, but when I sit down at my computer to write, I just have a process that I just activate and go through mm. and i get books done that way i just kind of imagine changing that like to if i change that i i'd ruin my uh, whole creative process so mm. like well i feel like this is like the patrick rothfuss kind of problem i'm assuming you know like so patrick rothfuss he writes um in the incredible king killer series and he has notoriously just I think like name of the wind took him a, a long time as well though really i think this so. long I think it took him at least a decade. When he speaks about his book writing process, it seems as if the intense amount of pressure and love that we have for his first two books seems to have completely fucked his writing process. And then you look at Brandon Sanderson, who just, once again, here's a process. He's like, every day I sit down and I write yeah. crazy, like 3,000 words or something, because he's Insane. an outlier don't of an, listen, out- he's an outlier of an outlier of an outlier. Don't do what he does. But it's like, it's just a very different approach. And I and I, I feel like I'm more in the Sanderson category. Yeah, I mean, I really like this piece of advice. Like if this is something that worries you, like just start trust again. It's a trust thing. Trust your process. Trust that you, you know, you know how you're going to, you know how you work. You know your art. You know how you create. I think this is the danger of waiting for the muse. Because oh, then yeah. you're really, you're really exposing yourself to this problem. Yeah. If you don't wait for the muse, if you just, if you just, um, try to get a process going like, and trying to get consistent practice trying to get a consistent creative practice i feel my instinct is that you won't have this problem so much yeah i completely agree for me this has never been a problem either i don't know why i i have no fear of creating for other people i feel like i create for myself i'm creating for other people like there's a real blend in it for me and it's never impacted me i don't, I'm, no. I don't know why neither has impacted me I, I don't feel like the more i feel like as your instagram audience grows or i never notice a difference in what you want to post or how you yeah. how you want to post or what you want to talk about it's always pretty much the same yeah I mean, and your fiction same thing like mm. I mean, I just, I, tr- I guess, yeah, maybe it is there. Trust in the process, and I trust my mind, and I trust my creativity, which has taken a while to get to. But eighty percent of people resonated with this. It's really interesting. Yeah, I really feel like my on the Garage Band it looks like my voice makes smaller squiggly lines today, but I, I checked the dial, and we're on the same 
gain We're level. sorry if our squiggly lines is fucking with my, your ears, guys. My voice just sounds a bit like distant or something. Doesn't do my ears. Okay, well, that's good. Maybe I'm just being stupid. Being a perfectionist. Do you want to keep going? This is a longer podcast for yeah, us. Yeah, okay. I don't mind. I've got energy. Okay. All right. What do you fear from success? A bigger following or more people seeing my work equals more opportunities for criticism. So this is, again, coming back to that. Uh, would you rather a larger audience with more criticism or smaller audience with more devoted followers? This is interesting because I feel like you have to deal with this in real time. Like, for example, your post that went viral the other day about the Olympics. Mm. You almost never get trolls, but you got, I don't know, a dozen trolls. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, was it worth it? To me, it is, but I'm in a place where I can handle the trolls, um, and I wasn't. I haven't always been that at all. It is a really uncomfortable and new thing that we have to deal with in these this day and age with social media. Um, but the trolls were just really stupid this time round, um, and the stupider they are, the easier they are to be like, okay, and yeah. you know, I just delete them. I didn't engage with any of them. I think you definitely get better. I've gotten much better, haven't just I? Get better at ignoring them, I think. Yeah. It is really difficult. I spoke to um, a creator in the Inspired Collective yesterday about this and how do we, you know, when you're so vulnerable and then someone comes in and trolls you, like, how do you deal with that? Do you defend yourself? Do you do you need to protect your inner child by defending yourself verbally or do you just bail out? And for me, I always feel like the healthier option is to bail out because these people are so frequently just not willing to engage um, and even if they are sometimes I still think that the healthier thing is to bail out and for me having a larger following getting to connect with so many creatives is far outweighs that the um, disadvantages of having the occasional troll and I also want to acknowledge I have a, I'm seriously privileged on my platform I very rarely encounter trolls well like I, I don't know if you want to talk about this but yesterday someone emailed you being like oh I would have done the journaling course different basically. yeah and it's yeah like, how do you how did you deal with that I mean, this wasn't a troll. This was like genuine, like critical feedback, I guess. Um, and again, I, I immediately put up a barrier because I didn't ask for this feedback and I didn't need it either. Um, and, you know, they had some really good points, a lot about like my organization. But, you know, I'm not a very organized person and I don't really intend to change that. So I kind of sat in the security that I know what I've done is a good job. Uh, but it did kind of ruffle my feathers. I kind of wasn't expecting it. And I had a bad day yesterday and I was just a bit like, whoa, someone just wants to tell me that they're not entirely happy with what I've created. But then I came back to the fact that I'm entirely happy with what I created. And I also came to the, you know, understanding that it was sent from a, you know, in a good intentioned place. Yeah, I think there's just obviously, there's you being the way you are and everyone being the way they are, like there's just going to be a certain percentage of people who just bounce off your work a little yeah. bit. It's just like... Especially because I'm a bit scatty. But that, And that's what a lot of people like, I think, about you. It's like yeah. you, I mean, the journaling course obviously... I don't want this to be a plug for the journaling course, but it was very, I mean, you just put a lot of work into organizing it and to getting it to a place where, um, and structuring it. But then you, you have to speak to a camera for like 15 minutes off notes. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, at a time I, and, you know, repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and it just, I don't know. It is what it is. I guess some people would, would script it or something. Yeah. But then, maybe. That, but then that, but then people wouldn't like that because it would sound robotic. So it's like, you're never going to win there. Exactly. And knowing that I'll never win, you know, people have really different opinions on what art is than me. And often when a post goes, you know, very viral or not just the Olympic one, but other ones that have done particularly well, like you get people who just have a very different opinion on what art is. They come in and they're like, oh, this isn't how it should be done. And it's like, okay. Oh, you, you obviously haven't read insert obscure, you know, like art criticism yeah. book that apparently directly refutes what you're saying. It's like, well, yeah, I'm never going to read that. I'm sorry. Who cares? 
it's an opportunity for me to sink further into the fact that I know who I am and I know what it is I'm doing and I'm and I'm pretty fucking confident in that now and the more confident I get the easier it is to deal with these people and if you're not if you are feeling insecure which is a totally valid place to be oh you know we're always going to move through insecure times um then trolls I think just need to be like like maybe you need a smaller community and i totally understand that but if, if you do encounter trolls like they need to be taken out and you need to protect your inner child well, like, do what amy does and just make it clear that you know her spelling and grammar isn't oh yeah I get is, that is, is not fair game it's like i'm not you know you're not basically you amy makes it very clear you're not allowed to come on inspired to write you're not allowed to correct her spelling <laughs> and grammar you're not allowed to do it like i'll put you on my stories yeah exactly it's just just making putting a ba- putting a, a boundary there yeah and obviously people are going to come from outside and not know it but it's going to help your audience yeah yes like i don't want you to come on here and tell me that um my voice is sounding less loud than amy's don't tell me <laughs> no i actually do want you to tell me that <laughs> i was gonna say you want i that, really like, like it when people talk to me about the, the podcast yeah <laughs> okay i fear it won't be as satisfying as i hope it will be and this is again talking a lot about that gate um why do i have such issues saying this phrase Goalpost moving. You gate, know. Were you going to say gatepost moving? Yeah, I don't know what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, this is huge, isn't it? And so many people, you know, strive for huge amounts of success. They get there and it's like, oh, man, this this doesn't make me complete. I mean, this is going to happen. This is like one of the most recorded phenomenons. This is basi- it's basically guaranteed. Like it, in all the psychological literature, we know that when you achieve your goal, you're going to feel like it wasn't as good as you thought it was going to be. Like the, all you can do is accept that and prepare for it, really. And it's like it doesn't mean it's not worth doing hard things. It doesn't mean it's not worth trying to push yourself to achieve really cool stuff. It's just like it's just a reality. Yeah. And that's why I often talk about the process and the journey. Yeah. Because it's like that's what you've got to really enjoy, and that's got to be satisfying in itself. And like, mm. almost I almost look at I re- I want to achieve things because I want them to give me more opportunities to. Do more process. To do more process, basically. <laughs> like, to do cooler process. Yes. I like that. I don't want them to make me work harder, but I want them to make my process cooler. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I want to be able to collaborate with a cool editor, or I want to be able to, like, go on a panel and talk about writing science what fiction and fantasy novels. Yeah. Like, yeah. I agree with that. Mm. I was on an athlete's profile the other day that I really like and respect her named Steffi Cohen she's a power lifter and someone asked her are you ever satisfied and she said no I'm never satisfied I'm always hungry for more and I respect Steffi a lot but I just thought fuck that narrative you know I am a hundred percent deeply content and satisfied with this moment right now as we sit here doing this podcast well Steffi couldn't exist with she's already broken 25 world records or something it's like no wait Jamie I haven't finished Sorry, yeah and I am hungry to achieve more and to go after more. And I know that those big moments of success, you know, aren't going to f- feel as I want them to feel. But I'm already feeling so successful and content in the moment now that it kind of offsets it. Mm. And I feel like those narratives have been, haven't been that we can be content and satisfied and we can feel successful and we can be on the hunt for more success and we can be hungry and ambitious at the same time. And I really want to introduce this new narrative to you. Can you be deeply content right now and also deeply hungry for more? We've spoke about this the other day, the happy but hungry. That's what I want in my life. And I'm tired of the narrative that you, to be successful, you have to never be satisfied. Mm. Gross. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was saying, like, Steffi almost has to trick her. She's accomplished so much. Like, she's literally the most dominant powerlifter in history. And it's like, if she didn't trick herself, 
well, you just stop there, wouldn't you? Like, no, that's what I'm saying, James. Yeah. Sorry. You're engaging in the you're engaging in the story that you have to always be unsatisfied to achieve. No, what I'm saying is like she's had to build a false narrative. Right. Like, but you don't need it. No, you don't need it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. See, look at my soundbar here. It's got a little black line through it. That makes me worried. This has been in such a big podcast. It'd be a real bummer. <sighs> I know. Anyway, I think that you you've got the you've got the um. Your thoughts are more complete there. Anyway, I agree. Like, I, so I, I don't really know what I'm trying to say with Stephanie. I'm, I'm, a, I do agree with you. I just don't know how to frame it in a way. Like, I 100% agree with okay, you. Okay, good. It's gonna fight. Do you, you. want to just? I feel like maybe we should do a part two of this episode. Okay, great. Yeah. Because it's like a lot more to go. Yeah, no, we can do that. Is that okay? Yeah. Also, I'm worried about the sound. That's okay. And it's baby. just I don't want to do like a four-hour podcast and then the sound is fucked. That's fine. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, this is obviously a really big conversation. If you have any thoughts, please feel free to message us on our new beautiful Instagram page. We love getting to connect with you on there. It's so much fun. Uh, it's just unpublished.podcast on Instagram. And a lot of you have been sending through questions for the podcast as well, which we will take and we'll save and we'll do it in a future Q&A episode. And we yeah. really love that too. Yeah, we love that. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye.